0: Welcome to the Hypnotoad podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. We've been waiting for this since the final horn sound at the National Championship game. It is week one of college football. We'll be talking about the Colorado Buffalo getting ready for this week one game for TCU. What can we expect? How does TCU not only go 1-0 this week, but potentially 5 0. We'll talk about it. And of course, got to remind you, you can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get it. In fact, you should subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get it, whether that be Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, no matter where you listen to our merry little show, please, please, please help us grow the brand by subscribing and writing a review. Hopefully, a nice one. If you go to Apple Podcasts, they still have a couple from uh, the Georgia fans last year. The better. I should say the best way to uh, block out the haters is by putting more and more good reviews on top of them. Huh? Not a bad idea. All right. Also, you can win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcast. Send it to Pete Mundo, the big boss. Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, let's talk Colorado, right? Totally different team from a year ago. Or are they? Right. New head coach Deion Sanders brings in the most transfers in college football history. Fifty-three new players on the roster. Has essentially an entire new roster from a team that went one and eleven the previous season. The funny thing though is right now you can bet on Colorado. If you think that Deion Sanders is gonna turn this program around and really shake the Pac twelve to their studs before coming to the Big 12 next season. If you think that Colorado is gonna turn this entire program around, well, buddy, you can bet on them, three and a half wins is what Vegas has them projected for. Three and a half wins is the over-under on win total for Colorado. Every single expert, every single one of them, 2AT have all said that the Buffalo are not going to be very good this year. It is essentially common knowledge in the college football circles that Deion Sanders is going to need more than one season to turn things around, right? Yet, if you listen to the hype that is around this team, whether it be because Deion is now at the helm or whether it be because his son is the quarterback or Travis Hunter is an incredible two-way talent, for whatever reason, Colorado is getting all of the headlines coming into this Week 1 showdown in Fort Worth. The Buffalo and Horn Frogs have only met one time on the football field – That was last season, a 38-13 win, despite Chandler Morris going down. And, of course, that opened the door for Max Duggan to have the season that he had last year. Sidebar, I've been talking about this for the past couple weeks, that I think that TCU is being underrated in a lot of the national polls, a lot of national conversation about the Big 12, because they are consistently being rated either the second-best team or the fifth-best team or somewhere in there. Not the top two. They're always projected to go eight wins, nine wins, seven wins, somewhere in there, right? And I continue to tell people that I don't think that the difference between Chandler Morris and Max Duggan is going to be that great. I don't think that there's going to be this big shift, this big paradigm shift. And of course, I talked to some Baylor fans and they said, well, you know, you're missing a Heisman contending quarterback from last year's team. But I got to remind people that Chandler Morris won the starting job in fall camp. Now maybe that's a lack of judgment or a, a judgment lapse on Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley's part, who decided who the head or who the starting quarterback was going to be. Maybe it was a lapse in judgment that they gave the uh, ball to Morris instead of giving it to uh, Duggan. And it was corrected that the football gods, the football karma corrected themselves and put the ball back in Morris's hand. But now you got your starting quarterback again. So I feel okay with Chandler Morris. Uh They are playing, TCU is playing Colorado a year to the day that they played the Buffalo last season. I thought that was kind of an interesting stat. And they have won 20 of their previous 21 home openers. Another interesting stat. I I found all that stuff really interesting. That TCU's only played Colorado once. They're playing on the exact same day they played last year. And that TCU has won 20 of 21 home openers. It's going to be interesting, this opening game against Colorado. Uh, I want to talk about some of the players that you can watch for, you should be watching for on the Colorado side of the ball. We've talked at nauseum on this podcast about all of the different Horn Frogs, who we think is going to be good between Newton and Morris and, and all the wide receiver, the wide receiver core. We've, we've talked to nauseam about that. So I want to talk about Colorado. I want to kind of take us behind enemy lines here. There are two headlining transfers for Colorado. The number one is the former Number one prospect in the class of, I think, 2021. It was Travis Hunter. Now, I've been listening to Travis Hunter talk a little bit more. I've been watching some of his live streams, I think on Twitch. He's got a podcast too. And uh, I'm not super impressed by the way that he kind of talks ball. You know, there's some guys who are really analytical. You know, you can listen to a college player talk about schemes and everything else. And they just come off smart. They come off like they know what they're talking about. And I feel like in Hunter's case... I think he's a really good athlete. I think he's an excellent football player. But when he talked about uh, Caleb Williams, he talked about a couple of the other players because he was doing his Heisman rating. He put himself at number one. He said he is most likely to win the Heisman. He put it on his Instagram that this is what he's going for this season. A win against TCU would really, I think, propel him into that conversation more than a loss would, clearly. But uh, Travis Hunter is the number one guy you're going to want to watch for. And then, of course, Shadir Sanders, who will be playing quarterback, Deion's son, who will be playing quarterback for the first time in the uh, Power 5. So I don't know about if Sanders is the type of quarterback that a lot of college coaches were looking at at the Power 5 level. I don't, I don't know. Maybe his recruiting was really open and closed because his son or his dad is a head coach. So it made a lot of sense for him to go to Jackson State and now, of course, try, follow him to Colorado. It makes too much sense, and he's going to get the starting job, so, But we don't really know comparatively what he looks like versus, say, a competition, right? Like, you think about at the University of Texas with Quinn Ewers and Archie Manning. Like we can look at Ewers and we can look at Manning and we can say, you know, one of these guys has a very important, very famous last name, and the other guy is a five-star recruit. But we can compare and contrast what both of them do well and what, what they don't, don't do well. But for Sanders, he's QB1, QB2, QB3. Like, this is their guy. And TCU has a similar problem where I don't really trust the backup quarterback situation for the Horned Frogs either, which we can talk about hopefully never. We never have to talk about the backup quarterback spot for TCU. But I I look at Colorado, and this really does feel like a a two-trick pony here. There is a a ton of uh, talent in the backfield as well. They have high-profile Cormel McClain, the number 2 overall recruit in the 2023 recruiting class who decommitted from Miami to choose Colorado. I imagine in the state of Florida that Deion Sanders, probably not the most popular guy, between spurring Florida State and now stealing a commitment from the Canes, I do not imagine that uh, uh, Deion Sanders is much, I don't think there's much love lost for college football fans in Florida for Deion. Former Arkansas safety and four-star recruit Miles uh, Schuller is a project start, uh, projected start as well. Offensively, the Buffs landed Houston standout running back Allen Mikalski, uh, who rushed for over a thousand yards uh, but missed last season due to injury, and inbounding wide receiver Jimmy Horton and Xavier Weaver, both are USF transfers. Some more Florida guys for Dion. All of that being said. The Colorado roster is one of the more unique ones in college football because we mentioned a little bit earlier that everybody pretty much said, every college football expert, every talking head, has said that this Colorado roster with so much turbulence, so much turnover, with 53 new guys, what what can you expect? And I am going to go on a limb and say this, that I think that you need more than a couple weeks, a couple months, of team bonding to build a really cohesive unit. I think that you need to have guys that are in that building for multiple seasons, and that's how you have success. I go and I look at the most successful teams in college football. Let's talk about the teams who went to the college football playoffs last season. We'll start with Georgia. Well, Kirby Smart built a team over the past four or five years, brought in good recruits, brought in NFL caliber talent, kind of cleaned up, I think, the recruiting um, who they were recruiting, and I think he was a lot more strict. I think that that's something that Kirby had to kind of learn how to do. But the point is is that he had guys who have been in the program, who were in the program, who were learning from other guys for two or three seasons and then had big, impactful plays. And then, of course, you think Stetson Bennett, who's like 105 years old, feels like he has played the majority of college football seasons. You had a senior quarterback. So Georgia winning back-to-back national championships with Bennett, it kind of made sense. It was an older team. It felt like a team that had a cohesive unit, right? Ohio State is the same type of situation where there are guys who are in that program for multiple seasons who are talented beyond belief, sure, but they're in that program. And, yeah, there's a couple guys like Marvin Harris Jr., CJ Stroud, who are younger guys. Like Harris is now playing, I think his what, second season in college football. There are younger guys in the program, but there are also dudes on the defensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball, inside some of those wide receiver and running back rooms who have been two-, three-, four-year guys in the Ohio State program, who have been lifelong Buckeyes. Michigan's the same way. TCU, Gary Patterson brought in a ton of guys. Now, Sonny Dice won with those guys last year, but those were dudes in the program for a long time. So Colorado has none of that. They have none of that cohesiveness that some of these other programs tend to have that that are successful. That's another reason why I'm not super high on the Buffalo coming into this game. Here's the other thing. It's going to be hot. You know that. I know that. It's hot in Texas, but this has been the hottest summer on record in the Metroplex era. This is the hottest summer. It's supposed to be around 101 degrees for kickoff, 95 degrees uh, near game time, which is insane. This is some of the most intense heat that Colorado players might ever play in. Now, granted, most of these guys are coming from out of the state of Colorado now, where we mentioned all the UCF and USF and Florida and all those Florida guys. But it's a different type of heat. If you've been to Florida, it's a muggy heat. It's a a humid heat. This is not a humid heat. This is going to be heat heat. This is going to be oven heat. This is going to be Texas heat. And I look at it and I go, look. 100 degrees at kickoff time is going to be hell for some of those dudes. TCU has been practicing it. They have been playing in it. They have lived in it. They know what that heat is. Conditioning, it's, it's the same way that if, if you go run a race or go play a game in Denver, the altitude is different. The guys who live there and play there every game, they don't have to deal with that altitude problem. You do, traveling to Denver, traveling to Colorado. Same thing now. Colorado traveling to Fort Worth. They don't know what this heat's about, and they're going to learn. So uh, the heat is going to play a part. That's kind of like the X factor. Uh, Colorado only has 10 returning scholarship players. We should have mentioned this a little earlier. Uh, the potential downside is they haven't formed any chemistry. TCU, they have 11 starters. And uh, they also have a bunch of guys who have played last year who are part of that uh, championship, national championship contending team, national championship. Asper, uh, asp- aspiring team From last year I want to give a prediction here This is my uh, my Score prediction I think TCU football wins I think they win big Last year they ended up winning 38-13 to This year I think it's going to be a tad closer I'm going to go 35-17 In favor of the Horn Frogs This is the side bet Now we're going to try to do this every single week We're trying to give game prediction And then we're going to give a side bet something that you can kind of keep an eye out for. The side bet is that Chandler Morris is going to throw over one-and-a-half touchdown passes. Now, you might think to yourself, well, you know, Chandler Morris, Max Duggan, like Duggan did it last year. He had a couple of multi-touchdown passing games. He was really good on his feet. One-and-a-half, that seems like kind of low. Well, you'll be interested to know that Morris has only had one multi-touchdown passing game in his career to this point. And this season, if he is the everyday starter, Uh, he's going to have to have more than one multi-touchdown passing game. I think that he throws more than one in this game. Uh, I think that he's going to have two or three, potentially. The running game is going to work. I I like where TCU uh, has kind of set their standard here when it comes to the running game. The big questions for this season, and these are some questions that I want to have answered, hopefully coming out of this Colorado game. Playing the Buffalo a year to the day, then Morris got hurt. Can Chandler Morris stay healthy? And we saw last year that Duggan, he's a little bit bigger. He was a bigger quarterback. He was a guy that not in stature but just in, like, size and weight. He was able to take some hits and keep on ticking, right? Take some licks and keep on ticking. He was able to take some of those hits, absorb some of those hits, and continue to move the ball down the field. Morris is not that guy. He hasn't proven to be that guy to this point. And there are there is something to be said for college quarterbacks who are constantly hurt, constantly unhealthy, Right? I don't think Morris is that. I don't think Chandler Morris is a guy that has the injury bug. I don't think that he's addicted to the trainer's room. But he has to be able to stay healthy, and this first game is going to be a real test. Because Colorado, we mentioned, they're going to have some issues. The secondary, I think, is better than the guys up front. The TCU offensive line... It's going to have some question marks here, and that's the second thing that we're going to get to. But can Chandler Morris play a complete four quarters and stay healthy? If he can in this first game, then I feel a lot better about these games coming up. The second thing, can the offensive line keep Morris healthy and keep the holes open for the running game? This TCU offense with Kendall Bryles and Sonny Dykes is going to be predicated on being able to run the ball well and spread the ball out to different receivers. There's no Quinton Johnson here for a safety blanket. There's not a deep ball receiver to this point, right? I'm going to tell you the truth because I've been talking to a bunch of different fan bases, mostly uh, Baylor fans and Kansas State fans to this point. But they all say the same thing, that TC is going to take a step back because they're missing two NFL quality wide, uh, wide receivers or three NFL quality wide receivers and two NFL running backs. And that's going to hurt. There's not a lot of teams in college football who can lose that much NFL talent and continue to move on. But I continue to tell people, I say this, that it's not the talent. Yeah, sure, those guys were super talented. We watched them week in and week out. You know that those are legit talent players, legit X-Factors on any given Saturday. But the system that Dykes has put in place helps elevate Right? It's one of those deals where it doesn't so much raise the floor, but raises the ceiling of these guys. Okay, So I think that losing that NFL talent, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I think we're going to have a situation where, like we had a couple years ago, when Gary Patterson was rotating through offensive coordinators like they were used tissues. Like He's going to have a spot here where this offense is going to be so good that anybody who is a three-star to five-star talent can look incredible, can look like an NFL receiver. So I'm not so concerned about the deep threats or anything like that. I'm more concerned about can they run the ball. If the TC offensive line can get get a push up front and run the football against Colorado, that'll be important for the success of this team going forward. And then finally, the 3-3-5. It felt kind of gimmicky last year. We talked about it. The 3-3-5, it worked against Michigan, and it looked awful against Georgia. Now, Georgia had... (laughs) How many guys off that team that went and played to the next level? And it wasn't so much that the defense was the problem as that the offense couldn't get anything done either. But the 3-3-5 felt gimmicky at some points last year, and it caught some people off guard. Can they do it again this year? With a full season of film, can the TCU defense then not break against teams like Texas, like Baylor, like Kansas State, like Texas Tech? Can that be a team... Defensively, can, all together, can that hold some teams up? Can that prevent guys from scoring? Because that's going to be super important too. So those are the three questions, and I think all three of them could be answered in this Baylor game or this uh, this uh, Colorado game. If TCU's Chandler Morris stays healthy, if TCU's offense is able to get a push up front, get some running, let's say you know uh, 300 yards on the on the game, rushing the ball, 400 yards rushing the ball. Then I'm going to feel really good about where this team is going into the next couple days. And here's the other thing, that the inexperience of this TCU team. We mentioned that 11 returners, not exactly uh, <laughs> world beaters, right? Not exactly the most thrilling thing in the world. The 11 starters, but I go through the, the I go through the schedule for TCU, and I think about this, right? Four of the first five games are at home. And all of them are against the teams that did not have a winning record against the Big 12 last year. So you look at Colorado, who had an awful season. You look at Nichols State. They go to Houston, who was 8-5 and five last season, but didn't have a winning record against the Big 12. Their first season in the Big 12. Daniel Holgerson, kind of a head-scratcher. I don't know what to expect there. That's in Week 3. Then they host SMU, and they host WVU. So they don't have to go to Morgantown. They don't have to go to Ames. You get—or, correction, you don't have— it's a home game against SMU. You don't have to go to Morgantown. Those are two big wins, right? I think that Sonny Dykes is kind of setting this program up to have success in, the, in those games. So you're looking, if you beat Colorado this Saturday, Nickel State should be a walk in the park. Houston should be a walk in the park. SMU should be a win. WVU should be a win. So you're 5-0 and going to Ames, Iowa, against Iowa State. And the Cyclones, they're missing guys because of gambling. And they already took a couple of steps back over this offseason with some transfers missing. So I look at it and I say to myself, if TCU can win against Colorado, this could be the first domino of a 6-0 and start to the season. And when you're rolling like that, you're already bowl eligible before you have to even face off against the Texases and the Texas Techs and the Oklahomas of the world. You feel pretty good. So my final prediction one last time, TCU 35, Colorado 17, 17. Uh, I think that in the first half it's going to be close, and then is going to pull away towards the end. And then, of course, for a prop bet, watch Chandler Morris, one-and-a-half touchdown passes, take the over on that because I think that they're going to throw throw the ball well enough. Um, and, yeah, next week we'll talk Nichols State after a big win, so that'll be great. We're shifting the uh, recording times, right? So the, we've f- we recorded our final Wednesday pod this week. From here on out, we will only be recording on Mondays in a kind of review of what happened on Saturday and what we can expect the next week. So we'll give you a full week of podcasts instead of just three or four days that you get right now. That's going to do it for the Hypnotoad podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making us one of the more successful podcasts on the network. Make sure you go over to uh, harlancollegesports.com where they have you covered all things college football Big 12, man, they are kicking ass and taking names. I have to read them every single uh, Friday to get me ready for my Saturdays. It's great stuff. Don't want to miss it. Uh, Win a Harlan College Sports koozie by screenshotting your rating review on Apple Podcasts, sending it to Pete Mundo, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at harlancollegesports.com. Thank you guys for listening, and, hey, we'll be back next week.